everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. This week, I crowdsourced holiday traditions for some easy listening that were either passed down through your immediate family of origin or that you've instilled in your family today, whether with yourself, with a partner, with your kids. And I think it's a fun idea to hear what other people do in case you want to establish some of your own traditions. And if you are lacking them, it's one of those things where, well, you can start them anytime and just do them every year. And I think a lot of these answers are a reminder to like lean into the funny moments and mishaps and find traditions in the least likely of places. And I don't know, I just every year when I podcast on or around the holidays, I think about how the holidays can be quite difficult for people. And life only gets, you know, more challenging as we get older. And, you know, as we've discussed, when you realize all that Christmas magic you experienced as the product of somebody working very hard behind the scenes who gets no credit. And when you're the person doing that, I don't know, I I feel like there are ways the holidays can kind of become a lot of work or a bummer or too stressful and you're not even getting to enjoy it for what it is. And I just think these small shared moments of connection or where you can anticipate, you know, the kids will be excited about something or I don't know. I I just I love hearing examples of these small things people look forward to every year. And it also reminds me, especially as like I have a kid now and hope to have a bigger family, like the things that all of you guys remember have just doesn't really have to do with this stuff. I mean, sometimes it is the stuff and maybe we'll get into some of that, too, or we'll save it for next week. Who knows? Maybe we'll do a month long holiday extravaganza because I did ask you your most memorable Santa gifts, too. But I think first, Hearing about the traditions and the things you guys looked forward to is incredibly sweet and gave me a lot of good ideas, but also uh, reminded me the reason for the season. And I know that's, I guess, in most cases is Jesus Christ. But to me, it's like hearing how many of you eat fondue and or cinnamon rolls. Really? the Your passion for cinnamon rolls was my biggest takeaway from this episode, but we'll get into that all later. Before I... Th- get into the traditions and thank our advertisers. Can I do a small ad for myself? Because the greatest gift you can give old Beth, your friendly local podcaster this year, is to come see me on tour as I tour my book, One in a Millennial, uh, in January and February. I know my book doesn't come out till January 23rd, but you can buy my book tour tickets for Christmas for you and yours. Perfect place for a girls' night, for your book club. I don't care. Bring your husband. Don't hide your kids and hide your wives. Bring him to the Be There in Five book tour. Sorry, why am I talking like this? I hate the self-promotion. And when I say book tour, it's not really like, I promise it won't be like a snooze fest, like panel discussion or something. It's like a regular podcast live show, which is basically like a podcast, but live where we shoot the shit for like an hour. But this, I want to involve the audience more and do like more Q&A off the cuff stuff. It's just like a celebration of all that is being a millennial girl. The theme is Be There in 2005, which is inspired by one of my favorite mid-aughts bonding rituals, the all-female pregame. And this is, the theme is after a chapter I have in my book, chapter six, are we going out? Are we going out, out? Which is just a funny turn of phrase we've talked about on the podcast. I think I have a playlist named after it too, because it's so accurate. In terms of what how we would talk to each other back then, we'd be like, well, we're going out or like out, out. We never waste a chandelier earring if we're not going to a second location, ladies. To read from the announcement, what I wanted to do is channel a time when our cups were solo, but we rolled deep. When our expectations were as high as our going out tops, price points were low. When night after night, we'd watch our dignity and hems rip at the seams from fashions faster than the speed of light. Celebrating the minutiae of the female millennial experience brings me so much joy, and I hope to create a fun night of reflection, comedy, criticism, and friendship 
that reclaims the girlhoods we left behind. To me, the all-girl pregames of yesteryear are a metaphor for how some of the best times of my life happened in the moments where I was waiting to go somewhere else to be someone else. But our girlish paradise wasn't simply there to serve as a prequel or an opener for going out-out to things involving men. Looking back on the fun and friendship found inside those walls, I see how the women in our lives are, and always were, meant to be the main event. I would love, love, love for you guys to come. I know a book tour is not like as exciting as like a Taylor Swift dance party, but I still plan to make it fun. Meeting you in person is like what makes this job real to me, and I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm nervous to like leave Teddy at home, and I'm nervous to do all the things, but it'll be great if we're together, and meeting you will make it worth it. And um, I'm going to New York, Richmond, Philly, Atlanta, Denver, Salt Lake, San Francisco, Anaheim, Nashville, Dallas, Boston, and Chicago. Look at my Instagram at Kate Kennedy for dates or be there in 5.com slash live hyphen shows. And yeah, can't wait to see you. This one says my favorite Christmas tradition was that my dad would make breakfast for dinner every Christmas Eve. It was a full spread of too many pancakes, bacon, sausage, and eggs. After dinner, one of us would read Twas the Night Before Christmas aloud for everyone. We wore our pajamas for it all so we could go straight to bed after. It was cozy and comfortable and is one of my fondest Christmas memories. I still love the occasional pancake dinner and want to continue that Christmas Eve tradition if I ever have kids. I love that. Oh, you're coming to see me in Atlanta. Can't wait to meet you. My mother would wrap every single item, down to lip gloss, chapstick, candies, etc. We didn't have the traditional stickers and tags on most presents as a result, but instead written in Sharpie would be our names and only sometimes who it was from. If there was no gift or listed, we knew it was Santa, but we also had presents from Mrs. Claus, various named reindeer, elves, and in my teens, the elves made up names like Tipsy or Sprinkle James. I, When I tell you I love the name Sprinkle James, it's really speaking to me. Talk about an uncommon James. That's just like the perfect name. It made a lot of trash, but I love knowing so much time and care was put into our presents. The appreciation grew even more when I knew it was my mom staying up into the wee hours of Christmas Day to make sure everything was magical. Which brings me to the other genius thing she did. Even though our stocking items were also wrapped, yes, down to a toothbrush or an orange, we could open our stocking before my parents got up. There's always an item that would keep us busy and less likely to bother them. I always got a book or CD and my younger brother would get toys or video games. They knew that ensured they would get a bit more rest before they had to pretend to be well-rested and surprised. I can't wait to hear about all the other holiday traditions from others. I think the holidays can be really weird as an adult, and hearing about others' childhoods brings back a bittersweet nostalgia. A lot of pro-matching pajamas, people. I support you. I've never done that before. But if you're a long-legged female, you understand my plight with pajama pants. You have to, I can get pajamas that fit my legs at, like, pajama stores, but kind of the kitschy, campy, flannelly type of PJ bottom, just bums me out. I've lived enough of my life dealing with the perils of involuntary high waters. And something about, I don't know, trying to pretend I'm cozy whilst being all too aware of my bare ankles is triggering for me. And the holiday season doesn't feel like the right time for dealing with that sort of tension. We do a make it, bake it, sew it, grow it gift exchange. All the gifts are handmade. That's so fun. You know, I don't watch the the TV show Alaskan Bush People often, but when I do, it's the Christmas episode. And I think my dad got me into watching this because he watches shows like that. You know, American Pickers. You can turn on like A and E at any given time, and it's like season forty two, episode eighty, and it's like Jesus Christ, how many things in America can you pick? Apparently, a lot. But the Alaskan bush people, they're the, they're, they don't live in bushes. They're like homesteaders, I think. And they like are subsistence farmers and they live in Alaska. And it's actually Jewel's family, like Jewel, who will say, yay, if you're sold, Jewel. Anyway, every Christmas, 
they at least when the show was on, they did an, uh, an episode where they like ha- gifted each other stuff and they had to make it like off the land and off stuff they already had. And it was super fascinating to watch. I, I feel like handmade gifts are amazing, but put a lot of pressure on people that aren't creative. But I like the idea of make it, bake it, sew it, grow it because that kind of expands it. But if it was just like a bake it, like I'd be stressed. But, you know, by these terms, I could just hand you over a stack of all my canvases from those paint and sips. It's the type of art that, you know, low budget podiatrists everywhere are just jones into having their office. Um, a 1992 t- TV taping of Rudolph with commercials. My fave is Vintage 7-Up in our local mall. I know. I wish I saved, v- like, taping stuff on a VHS was such a time. And seeing the commercials is really satisfying. I mean, it's like there's so many Christmas classics, like, the ki- you know, the Campbell's Kid, who was the snowman who melts with the soup. Santa packs are coming. Santa packs are coming. I mean, you know, all that really contributed to the hol- holiday hype. You have to do a talent for Santa before you get to open your first gift. <laughs> That's amazing. I also love Christmas Eve. A lot of people had like chili cook-offs. One person had like a soup off. I also love the idea of a dip party. Just everyone brings a bunch of dips. One family, kids can open stocking gifts before parents woke up on Christmas morning. That's a good idea to like give them something to do if they're up at the crack of dawn so you can sleep in a bit. Opening one gift at a time on Christmas so we can see what everyone got each other and every takes about four hours. I, I love one gift at a time. I, th- I think that's way more satisfying. And it, like, lengthens the time of anticipation and buildup. Uh, I don't know how hard it would be with little kids, but I love that. We typically do a what is it gift. It's typically a ki- t- kitchen gadget. It's hard to stump people these days. Oh, I love that idea. Like, finding an obscure household item and people guess what it does. There's a good Reddit thread called What Is This Thing that might give you some inspiration where people post things they find. They're like, what is this? And they crowdsource from people what it is. And it's amazing how there's always somebody out there that happens to be on Reddit on that thread able to tell you what that thing is. Cracking real whole nuts while watching movies. Wow, real life nutcracker. I always wonder who actually cracks nuts. And do nutcrackers actually crack nuts? Because the decorative ones I have from the home goods, I don't think they could crack a cotton ball. Uh, much less a nut, given they're not, you know, structurally sound. They're kind of like more hollow and plasticky. Um, but I mean, hey, also, nutcrackers and nut stashers of America, have I got the gift for you? Which leads me to our next sponsor, Uncommon Goods. Oh, wait, they aren't sponsoring this week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Man, I just got so excited for my natural segue. Well, I guess they're getting a shout out regardless. Uh... Let's move on until I can find my next natural segue. A lot of you still love doing scavenger hunts or treasure hunts with clues that lead to a present or a big present. My family did this too. Can confirm source of a lot of great memories. Again, anything that extends the longing and anticipation and requires some element of a game. I think especially for like a, a gift that's like a trip or a communal gift. I feel like we had to do some charade for like N64 because we technically all shared it, even though I did not get as much 007 time as my brother did. As a kid, tracking Santa on NORAD and my uncle working in Alaska would call and tell us he saw Santa. Aw. Did he see the bush people? All stocking gifts are wrapped and you have to guess what it is before opening it. Santa always brought our tree. So magical to wake up to a decorated tree. Well, that's definitely a reason to leave the Christmas lights up till January. Chinese delivery sounds glorious. A lot of you, your Christmas pajamas are left on your bed. So when you go up to bed Christmas Eve... You're surprised with your PJs there? That's really cute. The 12 books of Christmas, starting on Christmas Day, I give each of my kids a new book. We wrap the opening into the living room, then after Christmas breakfast, the kids rip through it. I saw that on TikTok. 
It's cute. Ooh, fondue on Christmas Eve. I love that. May your days be merry and bright. And may all your Christmases be white runny cheese. Truly. This person makes a birthday cake for Jesus and also tells me that he likes chocolate cake and chocolate icing, which is good to know. Was that in like Leviticus or karaoke and poker on Christmas Eve with all the cousin post seven fishes? That's so fun. Wait at the top of stairs. Cinnamon rolls. Christmas morning. Minute to win it type games. Cinnamon rolls during opening presents. Fu- wow, this person does cinnamon rolls and fondue. Cinnamon rolls during opening presents. Fondue for dinner. Orange cin- A lot of people with orange cinnamon rolls. Is that like the Great British baking thing where so much of the chocolate is orange flavored and I feel confused? I don't even know if I've ever heard of orange cinnamon rolls. Instead of gifts, we do a Christmas house, big Airbnb, and just enjoy a weekend together. Oh, see, I I like that. Like, if everybody, like every couple, I don't know, like how much would you spend on gifts for the whole family? It depends how big your family is. But if everyone chipped in like 500 bucks a grand and you just got like a sick house and the adults could hang out and make meals and have cocktail hours, the kids could just run around and scream and play together and pull the sand, their individual Santa gifts. That sounds ideal. All of our presents had numbers, not names on them. Every year, my mom lost the list. My mom did that one year, and it's one of my favorite memories ever. <laughs> she, she didn't want us to know which present, whose presents were whose, and she didn't want us to like, shake them or figure out what they were, I guess. So she made a system with tags. It was like, this person's a snowman, this person's this. And then she forgot the system, randomly allocated our gifts and at one point, my brother opened a pair of pink Ugg boots. Um, they're actually knockoff pink Uggs from the local Army-Navy store. Still loved them, but it was entertaining. Flapjacks and flannels breakfast. Great for sororities and for families. Oh, everyone submits their predictions for the new year, and then you review them the following year. Oh, you could hand out, like, prizes? That's so fun. We also waited at the top of the stairs while parents turned on music lights, coffee. Yep. Hot take, only wrap gifts from you, the good ones. Santa gifts unwrapped. Yeah, everyone seems to do that differently. We were unwrapped for most of my childhood. Then as we got older and more patient, they were wrapped. I think wrapped is fun and taking turns is fun because it makes it longer. But when I was little, the anticipation of walking into the room and seeing everything you had unwrapped was really exciting. And that's so much less work for the parents. Our core family always enjoys a meal at Melting Pot a day or two before Christmas. I'm really loving your commitment to fondue. And I really think that's something that I need to get into as well. Orange cinnamon rolls. I'm missing something. We go to hibachi on Christmas Eve. Honestly, that's that's the perfect way to celebrate any special occasion. I love that. Fall on your knees. I could just take a dramatic leap to catch the shrimp in your mouth to the tune of All Holy Night. On the last day of school before winter break, we do a Polar Express night where our three kids pick one friend to come over and watch the movie. They all wear Christmas PJs, we order pizza, and we make them frozen hot chocolate. Basically, you're like a root beer float using hot chocolate and peppermint ice cream instead. Yum! On Christmas Eve Eve, we make giant ginger we make gingerbread houses using Pop-Tarts. Looks like snow and cheaper than the kits. We use hot glue to keep them together. Oh, that's a good idea for a gingerbread house roof. Thank you for the tip. I'm getting sent the sweetest pictures of people in christmas jammies and holiday traditions and they're just making me tear up and i hate to fear a genuinely sentimental comment as an ad segue but i meant that but i also was gonna say that do you know what the easiest way to send thoughtful personalized gifts for everyone on your list is it is of course framebridge framebridge like genuinely is such an easy gift idea because you can upload a photo and send a beautifully framed gift that's like perfectly packaged in a gift box ready to go for as little as $5.99 
$30. I don't know if you guys have ever gone to a frame store or like the frame counter at a craft store, but I, I am always shook by how much frames cost, by how much mats cost. And I'm always like, there's got to be a better way. And I want things like to have that professional framed vibe where I'm not swapping out frames in a gallery wall. Like this is art I will have for the, the rest of time, you know? And Framebridge pricing is fair and transparent. Pricing is based simply upon the size of your piece and you know exactly what you'll pay up front. And it makes it easy and affordable to custom frame just about anything. So basically, you go to framebridge.com or go to the app. You can upload a digital photo for them to print and frame, or you can mail them the art. They mail you like a free prepaid packaging, like shipping tube type thing. And then you send your art in. And I've done this many times, never had a problem. And Framebridge custom frames your piece in the studio using the highest quality materials and ships to your door for free. They've framed over 2 million pieces and counting. And Framebridge has a growing list of stores popping up all over America from... NYC, Boston, Philly, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Chicago, Atlanta, and more, where you can get one-on-one -on -one expert design advice and see their collection of frame styles in person. And just a heads up, if you order by December 17th, then your gifts will arrive by Christmas with free shipping. I know this message is getting to you late on December 17th, but Framebridge is super fast and they'll ship your finished frame directly to your house or your gift recipient's house in days. So if you're still in need of a gift, don't worry, you're not alone. I will be sending a few of these myself. Framebridge has got you covered. And they have a happiness guarantee, so if you're not 100% happy with your piece for any reason, they'll make it right. So visit framebridge.com if you want to custom frame just about everything on your holiday list. That's framebridge.com to custom frame everything on your holiday list. I'm loving this Christmas PJs talk. I'm feeling inspired. And, you know, tis the season for new looks. And there's no merrier way to do it than with Pair Eyewear's new holiday collection. You can switch up your look in a snap with top frames for every event and occasion. Whether you plan on matching your PJs and pairs with your little ones, stuffing stockings, or gifting top frames to yourself, these looks were made for the most wonderful time of the year. I can't emphasize enough. I think th these are great for the whole family, but the kids I know that wear glasses, to them, it's kind of like almost, you know, the rubber bands on your braces. It's like a form of self-expression, and I just love how many different styles that pair eyewear has. The way it works is you get base frames, which are super affordable. I think they start at $60 and top frames start at just $25. And you literally snap on and off the top frames that are different colors, styles, sports teams, some are holiday themed, some are glittery. Like They have Disney. They have like so many different things for adults and kids alike and just enable you to have one pair of glasses whose look you can change by snapping on and off the top frame, especially if you find like a shape you really like and want to stick to but want different colors. As I've told you, I love traveling with these because I like to travel with my contacts out on planes. But I don't have prescription sunglasses, so I can just pop a sunglass topper over my pair eyewear glasses, carry one pair of glasses with a sunglass topper, and it's like I have prescription sunglasses. I'm a big wearer of the Kirby and the Reese. The Reese I have in blue tortoise. The Kirby, I believe I have a, a black base with like, but I'll put a tortoise on top sometimes. One time I put on a red topper. You guys told me it was a mistake. I looked like Sally Jesse Raphael. You know, I didn't ask for notes, but I'll take them. There's so much you can do to change up your look. This company was on Shark Tank. I think it's a really great idea. And if you want to add to your holiday cheer, this jolly assortment of the uh, Pear Eyewear's holiday collection features snowy scenes, classic plaids, yuletide activities, and your favorite festive hues. And Pear has a frame to fit every face with five new wider base frame styles, and their growing lineup of frames has options for men, women, and kids. You can also do virtual try-on to find the right frame shape for you from the comfort of your home. So make every look merry with Pear Eyewear. Go to PearEyewear.com slash in 5 for 15% off your first pair. That's pair, P-A-I-R, eyewear.com slash be there in five. Our tradition comes from my husband's family. We trap our kids in their rooms on Christmas Eve. 
Let me give you the backstory before you think we're crazy. My husband's grandpa, yes, this has been going on for 60 plus years, bought a pool table for the family Christmas present. Because it was such an expensive gift, they weren't receiving a whole lot of other gifts. In order to make Christmas morning last, he thought they should use a large box to trap the kids in their bedrooms. So there was more anticipation as they walked out to Christmas morning. So they propped up the big box and wedged it in the hallway and threw some things behind the box, chairs, tables, like an obstacle course to get to the living room for Christmas. It turns out the kids enjoyed the trap more than the pool table that morning. So it became a tradition has gotten extremely complex throughout the years. My father-in-law is a general contractor. He literally installed sheetrock over the stairs. They had to break through with hammers. He nailed their doors shut, removed handles. The kids all sleep in the same room, so they would start hiding tools a few days before. Saws, saws, hammers, screwdrivers. They knew how to remove the hinges from the doors in case he locked it from the outside. <laughs> I don't know if this is fun, dangerous. I don't know. Like, I, Chip Gaines cosplay of Demo Day. Uh, and yes, we are up till 2, 3 a.m. building the traps. Christmas naps are a must. And yes, I'm always worried about needing a fire escape route. Okay, me too. I don't, I I don't want to yuck your yum. I just am like, I, I don't know how old your kids are. But if they're handy, I could see this being fun. If there's an emergency, like, signal, you know, or fire escape thing in place, that's cool. We usually do an obstacle course and tie their doorknob to something so it's hard to open. We also cut the power upstairs so they have to do it in the dark. All of the cousins and siblings carry on the tradition, and it's honestly the only thing we talk about when we get together on Christmas Eve. Everyone does it a little different, and it takes it to different extremes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she attached pictures. This is not as scary as I thought it was. It's like they're going through a tunnel made out of boxes from the presents, which is a cute idea that is like lining Christmas lights. They have to crawl through packing peanuts through like Chris kind of like cat's cradle style string tied on their stairs, a bunch of balloons. Okay. This makes so this is okay, a trap. I was thinking more like I don't know what I was thinking, but now I understand this is more like a booby trap, like a more home alone esque situation, which is very cute. I think the idea of kids without an escape route having to do uh, some light contracting work, you know, with hammers, hinges, under a certain age. I was a little worried, but I, I see what you mean now. That's really cute and fun. Thank you for sharing. More cinnamon rolls. More orange cinnamon rolls. Wait, I gotta look this up. One December, when I had two kids, three and under, we moved and I couldn't find any of our stockings. Plus, no money for new ones because moving expenses. All I could locate were the stocking hats I had knit for the kids as a gift. So I hung those up on the mantle as replacement stockings on Christmas Eve. It went over well in the moment, and I assumed we'd get traditional stockings next year. The kids loved the concept so much that they remembered it next holiday season, and I spent the next 14 years knitting hats for everyone each year to hang up. I eventually developed arthritis in my hands and couldn't knit anymore, but my kids, who are all in high school now, asked if we could still get them store-bought beanies to carry the tradition in, in a different way. That's so cute. They each, there's three kids now, have a stack of winter hats that cl clearly define what they were interested in at that time. Pink sparkles, sports colors, unicorn manes, goth. It's such a cozy tradition born out of being poor, and I love that the kids never saw it that way. That's so sweet. I, for one, am really interested in the unicorn manes to goth pipeline. It's relatable. This one says, Hi, Kate. My dad would always set up a camcorder to try to catch Santa in the night, but he'd wake up and Santa always outsmarted us by turning it off. Then we'd use the camcorder setup to film our Christmases. It's wonderful to have those moments captured now. Agree. My parents would also leave out materials for Santa to write a note about the nice things my brother and I did that year. My family was pretty much always on the same page that Santa wasn't real, but we bought in anyway. You know, with the camcorder, we have a bunch of those home videos too. And um, 
I think the best part about them is like you couldn't produce or edit them. So <laughs> you stick a camcorder down, it records the day or night's moments, but also the most mundane events imaginable. And that's kind of the beauty of it. It reminds me of how, you know, millennials invented curating our social lives online when Facebook released the edition of making albums and like whatever, 2006. And what did we do? We posted every goddamn photo until the entire album was full. Like, if you, it doesn't matter if you took a, a pocket picture or there were duplicates or all of your friends were blinking. I think in my book, I say that Facebook albums, when they, when they first came out, it wasn't like a highlight reel. It was more like CCTV footage of an, the night's least notable events. And that's what I think is kind of amazing about camcorder videos, because like I have so many videos of my son, but it's like in moments where he's doing something and... Sometimes when I have long videos and he's not doing anything, I am careful not to delete them because I think the things we miss the most and forget about the most are the things we find mundane while they're happening that in hindsight we'll be charmed by. Uh, looking at our home videos, I just enjoy watching our sibling interactions. I love watching how tired my parents look when I didn't notice it at the time. I love to see my grandma there who's no longer with us. And yeah, I think that's part of the beauty of what the the home, the camcorder was able to capture and that I hope we don't lose with the digitization and able to edit and curate everything. I think there are a lot of, of life's least photo and video, video worthy moments that are still worth capturing. My aunt and uncle have hosted a huge Christmas party on Christmas Eve for as long as I can remember, and they have four and five siblings respectively, so it's massive chaos and my favorite night of the year. For the past seven or so years, their elderly neighbor who lives alone comes over and hosts a game of trivia, complete with totally random prizes that he gathers from his casino visits. Highlights include when my 20-year-old brother won a massive grinder full of chili salt that graces our pantry and is used to this day, the various baking sheets, pots, and pans gifted to teenage cousins, and heinously branded winter hats and scarves. Bonus, he's big into finding unclaimed funds on the internet, so he comes in with a stack of paper having searched all of our names and passing out sheets that show the amount of unclaimed funds in our name and how to access them. I love that so much. I think I love the idea of an elderly, kind neighbor ever since Arthur Abbott in the holiday. This person said, I'm officially starting a new tradition this year. I have a 21-month-old baby, so we're going with a fake naked tree with only lights because nothing else was safe from the child. I decided instead that every year we will each pick out one ornament that we like for that year. Baby picked out one at Target. I picked a disco ball. And my husband picked an Etch-a-Sketch ornament. We'll store them in Ziploc bags labeled for each year. And over time, we'll see it fill up with all the things we liked from the past. The element of starting a tradition is a cute, justifying reason. But I'm also all for a low bar, high yield lifestyle. And this was my way of, one, not spending a fortune on, on ornaments up front. Two, keeping the tree toddler safe for the next few years. Three, making it the cute, kitschy thing since I prefer the rest of my decor to be more refined looking. Hope someone else gets an idea and feels off the hook for their tree this year. That's a cute idea of, of like, a way to build ornaments. It's it's kind of like um we talked about with when you move and want to decorate your home, you're so tempted to have it be done right away, but then it robs you of the opportunity to buy things that stick out to you and mean something to you over time. We don't want to live in staged homes. The, the Studio McGee of it all, as we've talked about with the like oversized knot on a stack of fashion books, is a little lifeless, even if it is chic. Similar with, um, you know, classy Christmas trees. 
I, I do like classy Christmas decor, but I find myself being more drawn to colored lights this year. If you want like a really refined tree that's stylistically yours, then, you know, maybe have another fun tree. It can be smaller. They don't all have, neither have to be real. Um, but I do think a fun tree is important and maintaining the kitsch is nice. And kind of similar to the idea with the Christmas hats instead of stockings, because I'm not a person that really like saved a lot of ornaments over the years that people gave me because I was always moving. And I think we talked about last week, like holiday stuff is often the first to go when you're living like a transient lifestyle and the storage space seems frustrating for like a, something you use for a month. So I've been pretty ruthless in cutting, you know, Marie Kondoing out a lot of my holiday stuff over the years. But I love this for family tradition because similar to the hat thing, it shows what you cared about that year. And if they're labeled by year and then each kid can like take it with them and have their own stash, that's like pretty special and cool. And uh, I love that idea. Thank you for sharing. This one says, hi, Kate. I wanted to share my family's made up holiday tradition. Important context. My little brothers are twins, Alex and Nick. Oh, she beat me to it. Yes, you may be thinking full house. Unfortunately, my parents were living in Germany in the 90s. We're not aware of the coincidence that occurred when they named their young sons. This resulted in several years of eye rolling from my mom whenever someone would ask the inevitable question. That's how I feel about people thinking I named Tugboat because of how I met your mother. I've wanted to name a dog Tugboat since I was like a teenager. And there's this one random episode where this like offshoot character has a puggle named Tugboat. And I did not get the name from there. But people are always like, oh, my God, how I met your mother. And I'm like, no. Anyway. We as a family celebrate St. Nicholas Day on December 6th. As my brothers got older, my mom decided we would also be celebrating St. Alexander Day on January 6th. <laughs> this was pre-insurrection, Abby. I mean, at least you have an alibi. Wasn't there? It was St. Alexander's Day, obviously. Is that a real day? For St. Alexander Day, we would each receive a book complete with a happy St. Alexander Day dedication on the inside. I hope somewhere in a thrift store this bewilders potential owners. Oh, so this entire holiday's made up. A lot of saints do have days, so I, I'm not sure. In the morning, we would get our books an accompanying mug of hot cocoa and would be coerced to read for as long as possible. This also served as the last holiday affair of the season. I love anything that keeps the fun going. As the oldest sibling, having spent a few holiday seasons without St. Alexander Day, I was fully in on the ruse and got to fend off neighborhood kids who claimed it wasn't a real holiday. We still observe the holiday all these years later by being given a gift card for the sole purpose of buying a book in early January. A huge shout out to my mom who made up the holiday, kept it going all those years later, and instilled a love of reading in all of her kids. Happy holidays to the best. I love that. If you have a kid with a semi-biblical name that can reasonably pull off a saint's day, I say go for it. Hell, go for it regardless, because the Bible could use some modern translating, some updating of the names. I think kids would be more interested in, you know, reading the Gospels if Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were Braden, Paxton, Maverick, and Riker. The apostles, they're just all named Cruz. It's like, why are so many of you named Cruz and why is that held differently? <laughs> or crew. In 2020, my family started a winter solstice bonfire tradition as we couldn't gather indoors for the holidays. As we were following public health guidelines and restrictions, instead we invited family over to have a bonfire in our backyard, drink mulled wine or hot chocolate, and watch the sun go down, or at least watch the sky get dark, because there's rarely sun in the winter in Toronto, while listening to Christmas carols. The tradition has continue continued each year since, although we are more flexible with the date now that people are back to being busy again, so we just hold it around the solstice. We've added a chili dinner and a crock pot and expanded the circle to include extended family and friends. It's such a, a nice, low-key way to enjoy being outdoors in the winter. 
As a mom, most of the holiday planning has magically become my responsibility, and this is a low-stakes event needing little planning that everyone enjoys because it's different. Finally, tying it to the ancient pagan tradition of recognizing the solstice feels grounding in a not-at-all-weird and new-agey way, I swear. We don't dance or chant, just laugh and talk and enjoy each other's company. It's just nice to gather around a fire with loved ones and know that the days will start getting longer again soon. I love anything with a bonfire. Or a fire pit. Hell, I'll, I'll get take one of those s'more machines off of everyone's gift guides on Amazon. Like, how, seriously, how often are we going to use an indoor s'mores kit, people? But whatever. Uh, but I'll toast. I'll toast my little my little hands over it and and warm right up and feel cozy as hell because I am drawn to fire in the holiday season. We often will do that at my sister in law's place on New Year's Eve. And even even like committing to family New Year's Eve has been an awesome way to get out of like having to worry about doing something fun or interesting with friends or like having to, God forbid, get a, you know, wristband deal with unlimited well drinks. I never wanted to be drinking, but then I get there and I'm having such little fun. I end up drinking all of them. But anyway, I love winter solstice. I like being outside in the winter. Like I don't mind being cold to a degree. And I think if you can bundle up, and it's manageable and you can be cozy and enjoy the cold and find it's like I live in Chicago. Like I can't get out of it. It's just cold. So finding ways to thrive despite the cold, I think, is just a good use of energy. This one says growing up, my mom made homemade cinnamon rolls for Christmas morning with a recipe that had been in her family for years. We'd get up and while we opened stockings, she popped them in the oven so they were warm when we were done with presents. After my older sister got married, and did Christmas in a different state, my mom would make the rolls in advance, individually wrap and freeze them, then send them to her so she would still have them Christmas morning. My mom is 81 now and hasn't baked them in years due to Alzheimer's. Now I bake them and share them with her, and I had the same tradition with my little family of four. It's truly one of the best memories I have from childhood, and I'm thankful I can still share it with her and with my own family. Oh my god, that's so sweet. Oh. I hope what we're taking away here, guys, is that it's the little things. I this is This one says, first of all, fellow Edward Teddy mom and our boys are a week apart. Oh my gosh. I'm the oldest of five and we had a ton of traditions, but this was my favorite. Santa left candy on our beds, usually those candy canes filled with M&Ms or Hershey Kisses. So did you think he went in your room while you were sleeping? That adds in another layer of risk for your parents. But I'm fascinated that so many of you are able to overcome the risk of the tooth fairy. I don't... Your kids must be passed the F out because you have to get under the pillow, get the tooth and slip the cash in, right? And I mean, I'm sure a lot of material girls next door have, you know, the same gift I do, which is that I can sniff out cash from a mile away. I was always very interested in ways I could stock up the old piggy bank as a kid so I could go to the CVS and blow it all on Gateway Tween Cosmetics. But that's fun that he left a gift in your room. Next bullet point says we couldn't go downstairs until everyone was up and ready. So there was always a fight about waking someone up. Santa displayed our big gifts in the living room and we had to guess which display was ours. Sometimes self-explanatory, sometimes not. Four girls. Ooh, a more risky business. <laughs> I would, I'd be interested to hear if that caused meltdowns. All of the wrapped presents under the tree from Santa or our parents didn't have a name on them. We had our own unique wrapping paper every year. My mom kept a list and every Christmas one of us would get guess which one was theirs. You either got to open it or pass it to the right person. We don't do any of these anymore at my parents' house because it's all about the grandkids. But those were the biggies growing up. That's so cute. Love that. I like that one person has their own paper. Each person, rather. This person said Polar Express Night. One night during the month of December, when the kids go to bed, they find a golden ticket under their pillow. I just got goosebumps. 
They know it's coming, but never know when. Instead of going to sleep, they go and get in the car with hot cocoa, and then you drive around looking at the Christmas lights. That just thrilled me to my core. (laughs) So when they go to bed, oh, they get to stay up a little later. Oh, wait, that's even better. I love that so much. I love knowing a surprise is coming, but not exactly when. Because then you get to enjoy, enjoy the anticipation and the thing itself. This person said, my parents have been divorced for years, but get along famously. So I never felt too torn when choosing whose family to spend holidays with. Their names are Kristen and Matthew. So every year we have something called Chris Matt, like Christmas, where we get together, just the three of us and exchange gifts. Oh, that's cute. Chris Matt. <laughs> I love that. I know I was thinking about the other day how holidays are, you know, look so different when you have parents in different places or when you've lost a parent. Um, and when you get married and have in-laws and then are splitting time, you know, n- not just with two families, but potentially like four or more families and just how, yeah, that's another reason why I think traditions are fun to start with our own. And I think that the creation of new traditions just kind of allows you to reestablish what the holidays mean to you as an adult on your own terms. So many people do fondue for Christmas. So many people eating cinnamon buns. Every year on Christmas Eve, we get together with my mom's side of the family. It's a big blended family, and it brings many generations together. It can be upwards of 45 to 50 people. In the early 80s, my grandma on my dad's side was out for a walk and found that someone had thrown away a brass basketball trophy. It's about 16 inches tall, it's heavy, and most importantly, a space at the bottom for a big plaque. I'm not entirely sure how that trophy ended up being a center point in my mom's family's Christmas Eve parties. But it became a symbol for our family, a trophy given out every year to someone who had shown either athletic achievement or, more recently, because we aren't that athletic, someone who had overcome adversity or shown great strength of character. Recent years, it has gone to a cousin who came out, a big deal as some of the older generation lean more to the Christian conservative side, someone who battled cancer. I got it the year I was diagnosed with MS. This makes it sound like it was an award for who was the most sick, LOL, but it was more about fundraising for MS research than me just having the disease. IDK, but I appreciated the gesture. And it has gone to younger family, family members, too, who have done positive things for their families or community. It's really special to get to celebrate each other. I remember as a kid always being so excited to see who won the trophy. Whoever wins then gets to pick who will get it the following year. And honestly, that excitement still lingers in my mind. It, it still lingers even in my mid-30s. And years I'm not able to make it, one of my first questions to my mom is who won the trophy. My grandma, who originally found the trophy, is still alive, just turned 98, and it delights her so that her trash-picking habit resulted in something so meaningful for the family. And yes, there's a record of every winner by year on that plaque. I love that. That's really special. I really like that for multiple reasons. One being that I don't know if people like nominate or submit people, but you know, sometimes you get together with those big gatherings and you're talking, but you're not really connecting or you don't really know what everyone's been going through. It's almost that weirdness of being theoretically close because your family, but maybe you with your distant family haven't really talked all year. And then you don't want to be the person that's sitting there at the you know, kids table or whatever, you know, bringing up something harrowing they went through. But oftentimes people like do want to talk about what they've been going through. And I think that's an interesting way to not only be aware of what's going on in people's lives and to just conversationally, you know, make sure they feel seen and credited with what they've been going through, but also um, making it meaningful and adding some anticipation to kind of fulfill the childlike wonder of you know, wanting to get publicly acknowledged. Um, and is I don't know, it's, just a, it's a special combination of things. And I really like that. That's really sweet. This one says, 
Holiday tra- traditions our family has. We receive our Christmas pajamas on Thanksgiving so we can wear them for a month instead of receiving them on Christmas Eve. That's actually a good idea. Then you're getting way more, a way uh, better cost per wear because everybody knows the things that break the bank in the holiday season are the Christmas jammies. <laughs> Uh, we put our tree up the first Sunday of Advent and take it down on Epiphany. I'm deconstructing my faith, but focusing on the religious meaning of the holiday keeps me from being cynical, if that makes sense. I have to Google when the Epiphany is. When's the Epiphany? Speaking of which, I've Googled when's the Epiphany many times for myself for various reasons. Ah, January 6th. Dang. St. Alexander Day. Insurrection Day. What a day. Also the end of the Epiphany. Epiphany could be a pretty girl's name if it was spelled like Tiffany. E-P-I-F-F-A-N-Y. Epiphany. <laughs> I saw a TikTok once of people were like, they were like, names that would be beautiful girls' names if they didn't mean something else. And it was kind of interesting because they were picking out words that were objectively kind of beautiful that, you know, you lose that ability to gauge the quality of how the letters sound together once there's a definition attached to it. But some of their examples were like fallopian. And I'm like, you're right. That is kind of a nice word. And unfortunate that it's not going to work for a girl's name. <laughs> anyway, uh, they also eat lasagna on Christmas Eve. I love that, especially if the lasagna is good. I really think that the Costco frozen lasagna with the sausage is pretty high caliber lasagna in the world of frozen meals in case anybody wants lasagna but doesn't want to make lasagna. Growing up, Santa did not wrap my presents, but he did at my husband's house. We found a happy medium for our kids. We have a Santa stack for each of our kids, and they stay under our tree. When Santa arrives, he puts their unwrapped presents in the sack for the kids to find in the morning. We open presents first and stockings last. This happened on accident once, but we loved it. When you're done opening your presents, you feel like you're done, and surprise, you still have a stocking. Actually, thank you for reminding me. That's what we did, too, and agree, especially because when I was a kid and they weren't wrapped, and you kind of saw everything in one swoop. And didn't have the more time-consuming activity of unboxing round robin. I remember always being so relieved that I still had my stocking. <laughs> this one says, Kate, wanted to share my family holiday tradition. We, like your family, we also got to open one gift on Christmas Eve, but it was always new pajamas. One year, my mom didn't have enough boxes to put them in, so she used cereal boxes. The next year, she went back to regular gift boxes, and my siblings and I were very disappointed that they weren't in cereal boxes. <laughs> So every year that followed, we would get them in cereal boxes. I love stories of traditions that are born from a mishap or the whims of kids. That's cute. I love that. This one says, you've mentioned this idea on your podcast, but now that I'm an adult, I really appreciate all my parents did to make Christmas magical for me and my three siblings. Decorating the Christmas tree was always a big event. We would drink cranberry juice mixed with Sprite and a squeeze of lime and eat peanut butter blossom cookies. I love being the one to unwrap all the Hershey kisses to put on the cookies. We started with Amy Grant's 1983 Christmas album, which still hits, IMO, but then transitioned to Mariah Carey's Christmas album the year it came out. My sisters and I love that album cover and her sexy Santa outfit. It's the background of so many Christmas memories for me. One of my sisters and I had an ongoing game that our Christmas tree was a hotel and all the ornaments were visiting for the holidays. The nicer ornaments got the nicest hotel rooms toward the top with both a light and a mirror, which was one of the colorful round ornaments. I think Titanic taught us all a lot about first class, second class, and steerage, which must have informed our game. You're so right. On Christmas Eve, did I, I recently rewatched Titanic, I think when all everything was going on with the submersible. Also, 2023, the word, the year the word submersible was introduced to my vocabulary. Um, and I was looking up like the prices today if adjusted for inflation or whatever. And I was 
Not surprised, but disappointed that this set sail on this luxury liner cost seven pounds for a third class ticket in 1912. For a first class suite, cost was 870 pounds. With today's inflation rate, a third class ticket would cost 850 pounds and to travel first class would cost 105,000 pounds. At the time of this article in U.S. dollars, so that's $133,000 per ticket. (laughs) Sorry, I got off topic. On Christmas Eve, we would get to open one present, usually an ornament that my mom picked out for each of us to represent something about the year. When we were kids, we would wake up insanely early with anticipation. We started a tradition that we would sing Christmas carols to wake up our parents so we could open gifts. My brother was the oldest, and when he was in high school, we would pl- he would play guitar for us, too. My parents let us just tear into presents, which was honestly so fun. Afterwards, we would have bacon, eggs, and homemade biscuits, and my dad would read the Christmas story. The rest of the day was spent napping, playing with toys, and trying on new clothes. The years where one of us... One or all of us got clothes from the American Girl catalog were extra special. And not to brag, but one year I did get the American Girl wheelchair for my Molly doll, and it's one of my most vivid memories of a Christmas gift. Is that from, can you get that on its own, or is that from the doll hospital? I hope your first Christmas with Teddy is sweet. Thank you so much. Love that. Thanks for sharing. And LOL about the Titanic. We always play Celebrity, a.k.a. Salad Bowl, on Christmas night, but we always play it with not just real known figures, but people in our extended family slash community, former school principals, wacky neighbors, distant crazy family members. Wait, that's like a really fun idea. I was going to say with people in the room, that's a no, because you just never want somebody to like word association, paper, snow, a ghost with like all of your worst qualities. Like, I don't know if you've ever played taboo um, when you can't say the five words and you're trying to get people to guess a word and you'll be like, um, yeah. Jessica is this. And people are like, lazy, unemployed. You know, you just like don't want to. It's just a, it's a risky game. We do a second Christmas with our best family friends who are Jewish but love our Christmas decorations. They always bring homemade latkes and brisket and my mom makes a big Christmas dinner. I look forward to it more than actual Christmas. One Christmas, I got bunk beds for my American Girl doll, Samantha and Molly. What made it so memorable is that the bunk bed was in my room with Samantha and Molly lying in the beds, each snuggled up under the covers. Obviously, Molly was on the top bunk. The thought that Santa came into my room and touched my dolls was so wild to me. I completely flipped and thought it was the most magical thing. Years later, I found out my dad built the bunk beds himself. That's so cute. Yeah, I don't know how Santa is getting into y'all's rooms. I should be a heavier sleeper. I just was always, I was just so, such a believer in Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. I just really thought I was going to, I would like convince myself I could hear hooves on the roof. Hooves, hooves on the roof, hooves on the roof. (laughs) I remember so vividly one year for Hanukkah, my parents had written us a letter that they read that evening, and it was all about how we are so fortunate, we are so grateful, and we love music. My dad is in a band, and they tried so hard not to spoil us too much, but they heard of these new things called the iPod were coming out, and they wanted to get it for us to celebrate all the great things we were doing, etc. But don't forget to be grateful. This is a really nice present. Do not tell your friends. Do not flaunt it, etc. It was like early December. We kept these secret, these amazing technologically advanced music players. Fast forward to the first day back from Christmas break and literally every single classmate of ours had also gotten an iPod for Christmas like it was nothing. At least they tried. (laughs) You know, what's funny is when, um, I don't know, it was in first or second. No, maybe it was third. I don't remember. The first time I went to Disney World, it was like a, a big surprise. I think that maybe we got it Christmas. And I remember my mom be telling me I couldn't tell my classmates. And I was like, but, so what's the point? <laughs> I remember being like, oh, God, Elizabeth has been giving me a hard time. If she only knew my F.U. three park money. 
I'm going to all three parks, baby. I, I don't know if you've heard. I'm staying at the Dolphin or the Swan. Ever heard of them? Maybe not, because you probably stay at the Grand Floridian. But my family were Dolphin Swan people. Yeah, I wanted to flaunt that so badly. That's funny your parents did that too. That is kind of a risk, though, because if you guys didn't know much about them, they were brand new. You were early adopters and like all of your Christmas budget went to this one item that you didn't necessarily ask for, but they were banking on you thinking it was cool. I mean, risky, but paid off. We had a very long list of traditions, but most are typical. New Christmas pajamas on our beds when we got home from carols in church, our own Christmas trees, small Charlie Brown style in our rooms, mandarin orange in the toe of our stocking, waffles, bacon, and eventually mimosas when we were old enough for breakfast. The best tradition our parents had for us was how we went about gift opening. We were allowed to open one gift every hour. For the remainder of that hour, we took the time to call or write the person who gave it to us to thank them for the present. Then we spent the rest of that time either playing with that toy or reading that book, or if it was clothes, which always sucked, we would play with whatever else we got this morning. My parents were strategic and would make us open the big gift early so we could always have something new to play with while we waited to open gifts. It was really great. Make gift openings last the whole day, and it also made us stop and appreciate the gift we were provided. That's really cool. That's different. Especially if you have a family where people are sending gifts to like all of the cousins and stuff. That's a really nice way to honor whoever gave you a gift. I feel like those are mostly Santa, which I feel bad about over time because then no one's getting like thanked for the gifts and how it must be weird for parents to be spoken to like they're not Santa. Like, uh, you know, since Santa's not here, we can talk shit about him. But it's like actually you. Thank you for sharing. We have celebrated Polish Christmas Eve with my extended family on my mom's side for as long as I can remember. I now realize it's basically the Italian Christmas Eve, Seven Fishes. So I'm not sure if they just wanted to do that, but said it was Polish, lol, but we also break Oplatek, which is basically a huge piece of Eucharist before it becomes Jesus, Jesusified. So it's just the wafer, hold the Jesus. <laughs> anyway, everyone gets a piece of the wafer on Eucharist, and you go around and break off a piece of everyone else's piece and eat it and give them wishes for the new year. Our moms get really into it, but growing up and still, it was who could get everyone else to take big pieces of theirs because once you do everyone, you're supposed to eat whatever you have left over and no one wants to eat a large piece of basically cardboard. That's cute. I really like the word Jesusified. <laughs> Jesusified. Hi, Kate. Longtime listener. My dad became terminally ill in June 2015, so we knew everything with him would be the last. Christmas 2015, my dad and uncle bought giant blow-up yard decorations with the ones that have the fans and lights to put in my grandparents' yard. It made my granny so mad. She thought they were tacky. We also had strawberry daiquiris, which was my dad's favorite alcoholic drink. And it was a big deal because granny was Mormon and didn't allow alcohol upstairs. Drinking was confined to the basement and garage. And steak and crab legs for Christmas dinner. Dad passed away in May of 2016. And Christmas of that year, my uncle bought two new blow-up yard ornaments to add to the collection. He also put lights on one of the trees Dad planted on our farm in remembrance. We had the new traditional meal of strawberry daiquiris, steak, and crab legs. My literal dream. I love that so much. We have done this every year since he's been gone. A new yard ornament, lights on the farm tree, and the traditional meal and a drink. This is the first Christmas that my granny and gramps are both gone. We sold the yard ornaments at the estate sale. My uncle bought a cabin on the farm right next to the tree we decorate, so we'll spend Christmas there this year. He bought a yard decoration for the porch, and we're having the traditional meal and drink. I'm getting emotional typing this out because the holiday season can be hard when grieving. But these traditions, these things I can count on, make it a little bit easier. Thanks for letting me share it with you. That's really nice. Oh. Oh, she showed a picture of the farm tree. I'm so sorry about your dad and your grandparents. But that's such a beautiful sentiment. Holiday season is incredibly hard amidst grief. Um, and that's a really beautiful way to look at traditions being something you can count on year over year. 
amongst all the many other things we can't count on that are beyond our control. That's so special. Crab legs, steak, and a daiquiri is just is truly beautiful. Chef's kiss. Hi, Kate. A tradition my family has carried every year around Christmas is our pizza picnic. This stemmed from a time when my mom had three kids under the age of eight and my dad was working late. She was too exhausted to cook dinner, so she had the idea of ordering pizzas and spreading out picnic blankets next to the Christmas tree. We would turn off all the other lights and eat our pizza on the floor under the glow of the Christmas twinkle lights. Every year after that, we would beg to do it again because it, and it became a tradition. I'm now 30 and my sister's husband is involved and we still do it. It's getting hard to fit six adult-sized bodies on the floor around the tree, but it's become a special tradition that we all look forward to. So, see, like, yeah, pizza nights are so special to kids. And, like, when you're allowed to, like, eat in a different spot, whether it's, like, in the backyard or in your room or in the playroom or, I don't know, you're playing restaurant somewhere. Like, a change of environment and the most casual of foods can be so fun. I have a problem always being severely underwhelmed by, like, most skincare products and routines. And I'm, these days I'm more into figuring out how we can improve from within rather than just like topical stuff. And I love Ritual as a company. As you know, I'm a big fan of their women's multivitamin and their prenatal vitamins. But they have a new once daily supplement called Hyacera that is designed to promote skin support from within with clinically proven ingredients to minimize wrinkles after 90 days. Apparently, there's a gradual loss of hyaluronic acid in the skin as we age. And over time, the skin becomes drier, thinner and more, you know, prone to fine lines. And as I always say, to age is a gift, of course. This is up to the individual. But, you know, some of us do suffer from RBF. And mine left me with this resting face where my eyebrows scowled in a way that people would ask me if I'm lost or afraid constantly. Uh, and many times both of those things were true. But still, I've been on a quest for many years to reduce the fine lines on my forehead just for my own reasons. Anyway, Hyacera is a once daily skin support supplement with two clinically proven ingredients, Ceratique and Hyabest. In a clinical study done by an independent research lab, Ceratique proved to help reduce wrinkles and fine lines in 90 days. In a clinical study done by the supplier, Hyabest significantly improved skin luster and suppleness compared to the baseline. And has a soothing vanilla scent, which is nice. I love the aftertaste of these supplements, which sounds weird. Like said, no one ever, they like the aftertaste of a supplement. But these go down easy and they always smell and taste good. And Ritual is an amazing company because they're non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, no artificial colorants, th third-party tested, all the things. And if you listen to last week's culty episode where I was hunting down the origins of certain vitamins and supplements I was finding on Amazon and was horrified that I was like inadvertently supporting cults. Anyway, not the case here. Rituals made completely traceable, a fully transparent supply chain. That's one of the big reasons I've always wanted to support them and felt comfortable taking their prenatals and stuff while pregnant. And Hyacera is no exception as another once daily supplement that helps support your skin from within. Reduce wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a skin supplement you can actually trust. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during your first month. Visit ritual.com slash be there in five to start Ritual or add Hyacera to your lineup today. That's ritual.com slash be there in five to start Ritual or add Hyacera to your lineup today. This person said, I used to give my kids Christmas jammies on Christmas morning, but then I felt sad they didn't get to wear them all season. So now we get out and decorate the tree. I wrap their jammies and we open them and wear them while we decorate. That's cute. We also have breakfast for dinner that night. Not sure why it started. One year we just did it and the next year we remembered and decided it's a tradition. And I hate eggnog, but the night we decorate the tree, I always have a few sips and my kids love watching me be like, uh, no, it's still gross. So fun. <laughs> That's cute. Oh my gosh, you have a lot of kids. Send me a picture of them in their Christmas jammies. That's adorable. Hi, Kate. Ever since I was a little girl, me and my family have done the same thing for Christmas. And now that I'm older, married, and have my first son, shortly after your teddy, my husband and I have been doing similar traditions for the past few years. 
Every year, my family would drive down to Florida to spend the holiday season with my grandparents who lived down there year-round. Even though I'm from the Chicagoland area, I never had a white Christmas until I was 20. Every Christmas Eve, we would order Chinese takeout, as it was one of the only places open around there and enjoy it all together. Then we would all get to open one gift from Santa the night before, new matching PJs for me and my siblings, and a book to read together. How our parents convinced us that Santa just brought these presents early only for us, I don't know. We then would put on our PJs, read the book, put out cookies for Santa, and I would sleep right next to the Christmas tree hoping to stay awake. Every Christmas morning, we all argue if the year before we open presents oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest. Once we decide the order, everyone gathers around and we start opening stockings in that respective order. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, parents, and kids included. But when I say open them, I mean one gift at a time. Each one is wrapped and we have to share and show the entire room what it is. Every year, everyone gets a roll of scotch tape in their stocking. This was started by my great-grandmother. We would have to break for breakfast before the stockings were done. Those alone would take one to two hours. We would resume with any gifts under the tree and open them after breakfast. We would spend the Christmas afternoon on the beach together. Now my husband and I get Chinese food every Christmas Eve, gift each other scotch tape, and fly down to Florida a few days after Christmas. I am so thankful for random and sweet traditions like this that I got to experience growing up and now pass along to my family. Love! Wait, so you fell asleep by the Christmas tree? I'm still hung up on that. Would you wake up under the tree and your presence would be... you would be there and you would have missed Santa or did somebody carry you upstairs? I really didn't appreciate being carried upstairs. The fact that that was the last time I would conceivably be able to be carried by most people. I'm not, this is not commentary on my weight. I'm just a tall person who's had one too many guy friends try to pick me up and then they like kind of can't because um, I'm not light as a feather, stiff as a board. And, um, you know, sometimes when I watch Dancing with the Stars or whatever, I'm just like, you know, some gals will never get tossed around the way they deserve. <laughs> not, I'm sorry, not even in a sexual way. I just mean like, it looks fun to slow swing dance. I, I, us millennials, we were we were raised by the weird swing craze of the 90s we, to jump, dive, and whale. I've never really gotten to do any of those things. Anyway, I, I love the little things. You guys are including like the person that just said, every year you pretend, you try the eggnog and your kids think it's funny that you still hate it or... Every year we argue the year before we open presents, oldest to youngest or youngest to oldest. I think there are those, I love those funny little kind of bits <laughs> that last year over year. And my family, so my aunt makes this cook, like tin of cookies and sends it every Christmas with all different types of cookies and they're all delicious. But ever since we were kids, we were particularly enamored with this one type of cookie that came in the tin. But there's usually only about mm, three or four of this one style of cookie. What it is, is it's in the spirit of a Rice Krispie treat, but it's Rice Krispie treat with cornflakes, so more leaf-like bits in the shape of a wreath dyed green with red hots as ornaments. And when you eat these wreaths, they turn your mouth a shade of irrevocable green that even a leprechaun would say, mm, feels like a bit much. But something about eating these treats were like so exciting because they're they're such an unusual color for a cookie and they're a really fun shape and a really great texture. And to this day, and we're 36 and 38, um, I still try to piss off my brother by eating the wreaths before he gets there or leaving the last wreath until he's there and then being like, I got the last wreath. Which just sounds mean, but I don't know. It's just a bit. On Christmas Eve morning, we would all go to the mall wearing matching Christmas in Christmas Eve morning, we would all go to the mall wearing matching Christmas outfits that my mom made. I still can't believe she did that. My sisters, my mom, and I all wore red dresses with a holly pattern. They had holly buttons or Santa buttons. I think my brother and dad wore matching Christmas ties. I just love that she did that and got us all to go along. 
I remember loving my dress as a kid and feeling like it was the coolest thing to all dress the same for the annual mall trip. My family used to live in Richmond, Virginia, shout out, and all of us kids were born there. We would go to the Chesterfield Town Center, totally, and I think sometimes we would take pictures with Santa, but the main event was getting Cinnabon, and we each got our own, the best. At that mall, they had a snow queen who would ask you for your name before you went to meet Santa, so when you got to him, you would say your name. In 94, we moved to Orlando, Florida, and struggled for a few years to find a mall with a Cinnabon, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought, <laughs> I was about to be like, oh, you struggled? I thought you were saying in 94, we moved to Orlando, Florida, and struggled for a few years. I thought you were about to launch into some story about your family's misfortune, <laughs> but you struggled. To find a mall <laughs> with a Cinnabon. Oh. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at myself for mismanaging my own expectations. Because when I tell you that I believe in your cause, I support you wholeheartedly. And I don't know how you got through those trying times. She said, I think sometimes we would get Auntie Anne's pretzels from the Fashion Square Mall. Not the same as Cinnabon, but still a dream breakfast. At that point, we were still wearing the matching dresses. Okay, that's all for me. Okay, what is with the cinnamon buns? Cinnabon or just general cinnamon buns or orange cinnamon, whatever it is. Like cinnamon buns have a real presence among the Beth Christmases. Wow. I'm feeling like this is something I should adopt if especially kids love cinnamon buns and maybe it's something they, they don't get that often. But also I'm not that attached to Cinnabon. Also, that is not my first stop at the mall. Typically, uh, I find that when I'm shopping, I don't like the sensation of my hands being covered in tree sap while I rifle through delicate fabrics and paper tags. But if you can handle the stickiness, Cinnabon Voyage, enjoy your trip, have fun eating your roll. I, I don't judge. I just never really thought about how important cinnamon buns can be to people. You guys really have me rethinking the role of cinnamon buns in my life. Of Cinnabon. Cinnabon? Cinnabon? Cinnabon. Wait, is it Cinnabon? I'm like, I'm reading your email, and the more I read it, I'm like, that doesn't look right, but it is right. Hold on. Okay, yeah, it is Cinnabon. Wow. I was just looking up some background on Cinnabon, because it's, it's not something I consume much, and I was taken by your commitment in your email, um, and I came across an article called The Sticky Untold Story of Cinnabon. Three decades after its creation in Seattle, the cinnamon roll purveyor maintains a novel sway over our appetites, and thanks to a certain flamboyant corrupt attorney, some unexpected TV fame. What? A cook called in sick. The kitchen was beyond slammed. Naturally, the phone was ringing. The restaurant's proprietress barely answered in time, but she knew the voice on the line. Rich Cohen cut to the chase. Hey, Jerry Lynn, how would you like to make the world's greatest cinnamon roll? This was 1985. When she picked up the phone that day, she had no idea this mysterious cinnamon roll project would become a national brand with 1,200 franchise locations in 48 countries. Sadly, not at Chesterfield Town Center. How dare she? <laughs> oh, no, sorry. At the, in Orlando. <laughs> Poor thing had to go to NTNs. Oh, in um, uh, Breaking Bad, Saul is the corrupt attorney because he said, if I'm lucky a month from now, best case scenario, I'm managing a Cinnabon in Omaha, which I guess... I didn't watch Better Call Saul, but apparently it has significance in the spinoff. Interesting. This is like several pages long. But at least I'm, I'm happy to know it comes from humble beginnings. Oh, this is what I was looking for. 
From the company's earliest days, many fans have pronounced its name as Cinnabon. It's a natural inclination, but originally rejected by Seattle's resident branding genius. Oh, the guy who named it is also behind a coffee brand that starts with ST, that has a long-haired mermaid logo with a double tail and crown and a siren's knowing smile. Can't you just say Starbucks? But I guess this brandy genius didn't want bun in the name since the word implies savory, bready things rather than frosted indulgence. Instead, he turned his thoughts to another decadent pleasure, pleasure, the bonbon. Connotes something sweet. And holy smokes, it really gets you smiling. If you really wanted to get sophisticated, bon is also French for good. Oh, thanks, Pierre Escargot. Long after Cinnabon's first location grew, interesting. I don't know. When you guys hear the word bun, what do you think? After, if it's after the word cinna, I think it's pretty intuitive. And it also is called a cinnamon bun? Is, no, wait, is it not called a, is it a cinnamon roll? I don't even know. But I do think that, I don't know, at least for millennials, like recorder playing culture was so pervasive and hot cross buns was so top of mind for the majority of my adolescence. The word bun wouldn't have thrown me to a savory place, especially not attached to cinna as a compound word, but... Whatever branding genius. If I were you back in the day, especially when even like girls like me were randomly interested in 007 because of getting N64 for Christmas, there should have been a commercial that was like, the name's Bond, Cinnabon, like James Bond. And then people would have known it was Bond and not Bun. But I don't really feel like you ever advertised in a way that really drew attention to the Bond of it all. How many times in an episode can I say Cinnabon? Glad we did some cinnabonding, uh, I guess, over these traditions. I just, I don't know why that was so funny to me. Thank you for that brief detour. My kids' favorite tradition, 11-year-old and 4-year-old, also have one-year-old we haven't started with yet, is that they get their own small such mini Christmas tree for their room. Every year they get to pick one new ornament, sometimes two if I'm feeling it, or if they find a couple they can't decide between. When they grow up and move out, they will all have their own ornaments to take with them and decorate their own big tree. Even if by chance they don't want them when they're old enough to move out, it will be great memories for me to use on my own trees. They always pick something that shows their current likes and interests. Love that. Hi, Kate and team. So my mom's parents were textbook grandparents, color-coded calendar, and monthly voicemail change that included any birthdays, anniversaries of their kids and grandkids. Every year they had Grandkids Day, which we all assumed was like a national holiday, like any other, between Christmas and New Year. We would go over for the whole day, and it was an extravaganza. Donuts for breakfast, morning craft, musical chairs, a talent show, bowling, pizza, and build your own Sunday bar with a movie. There were seven of us spanning a four-year age gap. So had that survived that day every year without drinking, I will never know. They are some of my best memories, especially as most of us continued coming for that day all through high school. It is truly the love and care that makes memories, never the flashy shit. Thanks for giving me a chance to go down memory lane. My grandpa passed a few years ago, but I think I'm going to go visit my grandma today. Aw, I love that. Grandkids Day is a fun idea because then every family could do the proper holiday with their immediate family and then still get together with all the cousins, aunts, and uncles and grandparents. Honestly, Grandkids Day sounds extra fun for aunts and uncles because they can probably chill in the other room while the kids scream with the grandparents. This one says, when I found out about Santa, I was devastated. Instead of continuing on as normal after I found out I'm the youngest, they decided to set new traditions. We started opening all of our presents on Christmas Eve super late, then woke up to stockings and an elaborate scavenger hunt to find our big presents. They continued it on until I got married, and now that my brother and I both have kids, they've started setting up little scavenger hunts for the kiddos. My mom also stopped using name tags like 15 years ago. Now we're all assigned a wrapping paper and don't know what it is. Before we start opening, we all take turns guessing which wrapping paper belongs to which person. Whoever gets the most right gets to not only pick the first gift, but gets to pick the order that we open. The kids are four, six, and eight, so they just do whatever for opening. It's a fun competition that we look forward to every year. 
My favorite fact, the Christmas my husband had cancer, dark, but he's all good now, lol. You guys are so funny how you write these. I'm so glad he's good. <laughs> you, but you don't have to write off the darkness. It's part of life. I appreciate you sharing. Um, he guessed all nine wrapping papers perfectly as the first one out of all of us. Good for him. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for all you do. Thank you for sharing. Need to go back to the Instagram um, ones that were shared. At two years old, my kid wanted to leave Santa tacos instead of cookies. We do that every year. Honestly, I bet Santa appreciates it. Advent calendar with an activity for the fam each day. Tonight we made Buddy the Elf spaghetti. Cute. Dang, that's a big commitment activity each day. Impressed. We eat Pizza Hut on Christmas Eve because that is what my parents did on their first Merry Christmas. I like when parental romance and lore is like understood and celebrated by the family. Every year on Christmas Eve, we write and sing a song about what our extended fam did that year. I love that idea. 24 wrapped Christmas books, one per night, bedtime reading. Oh my gosh. Are you able to find that many good books? Like Christmas related books. I mean, obviously there are that many good books. I mean, you could just pick the Babysitter's Club alone and not even make a dent in the collection. Tree lights on in the living room before school each day in the dark. Magical. I agree with that. My mom coming into my elementary school classes to share the story and traditions of Hanukkah. I love that. You know what's such a good program is the Rugrats Hanukkah special? I'm having deja vu. We definitely talked about that last year. I learned a lot about Hanukkah from that. Walk down the stairs backward, singing joy to the world on Christmas morning. My husband and I go to World Market and split up and fill each other's stocking. World Market does have some fun, unusual confections. Sprinkle James would have a blast there. Or cinnamon rolls. Ooh, pizza and margaritas on Christmas Eve. My dad would film us going down the stairs every year until our 20s. Wrapping paper fight after presents. Very fun as kids, but kind of violent now that we're 30 plus. I love that you still do that. Colonial Williamsburg for New Year's Eve is lit. I believe you. As kids, all the cousins acted out the nativity in full costume, then a talent show. I love, I love family talent shows. A lot of people hide the pickle ornament in the tree, and the person who finds it gets to open a gift on Christmas Eve or be the first to open the gift on Christmas morning. Somebody did a... Uh, power be there in five like powerpoint party once about the pickle in the tree and saint nick and about this like legendary santa out of dc whose story i'm now forgetting that was a bright spot of the pandemic doing those powerpoint parties we recite luke 2 on group facetime fun to see family every night and hear kids learn it that is not as good as paxton four <laughs> just kidding that's very sweet <laughs> i'm 30 and i still have to sit and wait on the steps for a picture before we go to the tree obsessed santa would drop things on our roof and my dad would climb up a ladder and retrieve the presents Everyone brings an app to Christmas Eve dinner, even the kids. Best meal of the year. That's cute. We did a true candlelight dinner on Christmas Eve. Fun to collect all the candles in the house for it. Family used to nanny for would get an ornament for each kid based on their Halloween costume that year. They'd go around the tree and tell visitors or friends stories behind certain ornaments. That's a cute way to remember your Halloween costume and commemorate Christmas. That's so fun. Have to guess the gift before opening it. Gifter comes up with a rhyme or poem. Love that. A lot of people know gift tags. Santa uses a different paper for each person. Lasagna Christmas Day that we call Christmas Goose. Cinnamon rolls? We make our own ugly sweaters. Think puff paint and glitter. Ugh, I love puff paint culture. Sibling baking competition. I only started winning when my now husband became a judge. We support favoritism here at the Be There in Five podcast. I get it. Orange rolls from a can on Christmas. Okay, so these orange rolls come in a can? Sorry, I'm lost. <laughs> we pick charities of the others would like to donate to on their behalf. No gifts. You're a good person. It was charitable in that I like to cosplay when Samantha would go to that orphanage to see her friend Nellie. That felt altruistic. 
I was always I was always like a consumer first and a philanthropist second. But I don't know. That year I read Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul, I was like, am I a good person? Like, look at me. <laughs> Something about reading about other people doing good makes me feel like I did good, too. But no, that's really sweet and important. Good for you. I love a living room floor and movie night. Really, every season's the right season to do that. Dad stamped reindeer tracks into the snow for us to wake up to. That's precious. Since my family was always very middle class growing up, but once a year on Christmas, Eve, we would go out to eat for a fancy dinner. Everyone would get a new formal dress slash outfit, and we ordered appetizers, main courses, and dessert. Oh, shit. That's crazy. I'm not being sarcastic. As a kid, that would blow my mind to be getting apps and desserts. Then after dinner, we all went home and changed into funny onesie pajamas and would take a video of us all doing the cha-cha slide under the Christmas lights. The combo of the super fancy dinner and the unhinged onesie cha-cha slide just always cracked me up and felt so fun. I love that. This one says, I need to know, do people wrap gifts from Santa or not? We don't. I grew up with no gifts wrapped. Then once we realized it was my parents, we started wrapping gifts and going slower. I, I could go either way. I think that the wrapping of gifts is so extremely high labor on the parents or the parent who has skills wrapping, because most of the time, both parents do not have wrapping skills. I, I'm not a person that gets a lot of joy out of wrapping presents. Some people do. If that's your thing, go to town. I think we choose the things that, that, are, that bring us joy and that aren't a drain in that work for your family. So like, I think if you have multiple kids and there's so much anticipation and they're little and they're big toys and hard things to wrap and you want everyone to see it right when they go downstairs, like, go for it. But then I like the ideas other people have to keep the fun going, whether it's the stocking last or the little things in the stocking are wrapped or you pace it, you know, the gifts out by, you know, certain intervals. Um, I loved seeing all my stuff immediately on Christmas growing up, but I also think it it felt over so fast because you saw everything at once. So I could see either way. But from a labor standpoint, I do not see myself wrapping every single gift when I have older kids. Um, even though I'm sure that's like really fun and anticipatory for people. I guess it just depends. We do a family hot ones challenge on Christmas and it's hilarious. Oh my gosh, like the like the interview show with the hot wings. You know I love that show. That's really fun. Does everyone bring like their own hot sauce? I think that's great, especially if people have some spice tolerance and if you're not playing fast and loose with like some gnarly acid reflux, which would keep you up all night, which maybe you'll be up anyway, you know, putting out Santa's gifts, but that's really fun. Do you incorporate interview questions? They always have the best interview questions on that show. I love how I talk to you guys like you can respond. Uh, <laughs> we do a themed Christmas Eve. This year's is Christmas song slash lyrics. Must dress accordingly. <gasps> wow, that's really fun. I love when people have those Taylor Swift parties where you can dress up as a lyric so people show up as like a crumpled up piece of paper lying there or they show up as someone, you know, dancing in their Levi's drunk under a streetlight or like whatever the hell it is. Um, but Christmas songs and lyrics, wow, that could, there's, you really have a lot of options there and they don't all have to be Christmassy. I'm sure nobody would see it coming that I would show up dressed uncharacteristically slutty and in brown tones, which is also something I don't often do. And I'd be like, well, I'm the logs on the fire that fill you with desire, obviously. Um, my favorite line from the Carpenters, Merry Christmas, darling. I'm Samantha. But there's, there are a lot of different directions you can go with that. I guess it could be either kind of religious, like, Oh my God, Ada, are you long lay the world and you're in sin and error pining? I mean, that would be hard to probably pick out from your outfit. A lot of people have oranges or clementines in the stockings, too. 
Oh my God, I can't believe I've been going through these this long. I didn't even get to the toys. Orange, you glad me talking about orange cinnamon buns is over? This was fun for me to go through. Thank you for sharing, guys. I'm sorry if this was boring. I just, I don't know, wanted to provide some easy listening. Um, I hope everybody's having a great week slash weekend. Thanks to our sponsors, Framebridge Ritual Pair Eyewear. If you like this episode, share it with a friend, rate and review five stars on Spotify. You just tap five stars as easy as pie, and it m- makes a huge difference. Um, if you want to give me a gift this Christmas, you can subscribe to Patreon. That'd be chill. Pay for a year membership. Give me some job security. Otherwise, but uh, but if not, totally fine. Patreon.com slash be there in five for bonus content. The greatest gift you can give old Beth is to come see me on tour. I'm going to New York, Richmond, Philly, Atlanta, Denver, Salt Lake, San Francisco, Anaheim, Nashville, Dallas, Boston, and Chicago. Look at my Instagram at Kate Kennedy for dates or be there in five.com slash live hyphen shows. Anyways, whether you found some new traditions or you're running to your nearest Cinnabon, Bon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed keeping you company and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next Sunday. As always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. 